Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a Sideline Sleuth. So in an effort to cover a case from every state, I came across some cold cases in the state of Delaware. Delaware, for me at least, is not a state you hear about very often. Nope. I'm, I've been there a few times because my mom's biological father's family was there, but I was like really young and I honestly know pretty much nothing about the entire state of Delaware. So, In 2019, the population of the whole state was less than a million people. And so just to compare it where we live, the same year, the population of Dallas County had more than 2.6 million people. Oh, wow. So Delaware is a little state, but crime happens everywhere. So today we're going to talk about the murder of Jane Pritchard in 1986, and then 30 years later, the unsolved murder of Jimmy Leaguer in 2016 as well as two 2013 murders, both women, Janiel Jones and Samantha Newine, and then we'll finish up the episode with a Jane Doe case. And we've never done a Jane Doe or a John Doe story before. That really surprises me. You're right. Yeah, we should... This I think is a new... They're difficult for me because there's like, you don't know a whole lot, so I can't really write a whole episode about it, but I'm interested. So... Okay. We're getting a lot out of this episode. But before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Detective Brian Shahan with the Newcastle County Police Department, who promptly responded to my email and gave me the information I was looking for. So, first let's talk about the murder of Jane Pritchard. Here's what we know. Jane was 28 years old at the time of her death, and she was a graduate student at the University of Maryland. She was a botanist, studying biology, and she lived in Clarksburg, Maryland. But on September 20th, 1986, she drove her Chevy Blazer to Blackbird Forest State Park in Smyrna, Delaware, which is like 120 miles from Clarksburg or so. But I think she was actually closer to like Middletown, Delaware, but this park is in Smyrna, so. Okay. Jane was studying the wild hog peanut plants for her thesis work related to her master's degree and she went to the park to conduct botany experiments. She arrived just before 7 a.m. and conducted minute-by-minute analysis and logged it. Those minute-by-minute entries continued from 7 a.m. until just before 10 a.m. when they abruptly stopped. By 5.30 p.m. that evening, Her partially disrobed body was discovered by two campers lying about 20 feet or so from a trail and from her equipment. She had a gunshot wound in her back. What? The forest was full of hunters that day, between 25 and 50, because it was the first weekend of Delaware's squirrel hunting season. Okay, Delaware, there's a lot going on, y'all. Squirrel hunting? Yeah, I mean, they probably do that somewhere else. I just don't know anything about it. All right, well, sure. Ten points for creativity. (laughs) But investigators were able to rule out the possibility that it was an accidental shooting by a hunter early on. Probably because she was partially clothed. Yeah. So medical examiners were unable to determine if Jane had also been sexually assaulted. Though it seems likely that she was, 
or that a sexual assault was at least in progress or something because they recovered pubic hair from the scene. Well, what do you mean? I know they found hair, just like one single solitary hair, and a bunch of sources, though not like official ones, just like reports, said it was a pubic hair. But she's partially dressed. Those are pretty distinct. Yeah, I don't know. It was the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> What are they? Good know? point. Yeah, the 80s so. were a wild hair time. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so, and like, what science do they have to like really analyze it in the 80s? Okay, true, yeah. true. So, because of the number of people in the park that day, police appealed to the public for help, asking anybody who might have saw anything to come forward. So, a 27-year-old squirrel hunter named Michael Lloyd, who had been hunting alone in the park that day, told police he saw Jane around 10 a.m., so that's when her experiment stopped, talking to another hunter. He gave police accurate descriptions of what Jane was wearing, what her car was, and the equipment she had with her. He was also able to provide investigators details about the other man's appearance, and a composite sketch was drawn. The other hunter was described as being 5'9", or 5'10", with a medium build, Wearing a brown jacket and blue jeans. That's pretty general. Yeah, but like, I don't know why he remembered so many details. Right, as soon as you started telling me that he remembered a lot of details, I was like, this sounds... I just yeah. suspect everyone, basically. So, Michael Lloyd was cooperative with the police. They interviewed him four times. But then they also ended up arresting him in <gasps> October. Without a known motive, but police said that some of the details in his story were inconsistent, and that they collected evidence from the scene that linked him to the murder. Oh, my So right away I was like, all right, you should have just shut up, you know, like... Well, that happens a lot, right, where people just, like, they want to be close to it, and they... Yeah, yeah, and then they accidentally implicate themselves, like, do you remember Ben Bradley, the snowboarder, when, like, they had no freaking clue, and this guy's like, I know something about it, and then he, like, did it, or, like, air quotes, did it. Like, if you would have shut your mouth. Yeah. So, like, if Michael Lloyd killed Jane Pritchard, he should have just shut it. I mean, I'm glad he didn't, but, like. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, my dad, he didn't shut his mouth. That's what I meant. But, like. (laughs) But also, he didn't kill Jane Pritchard. But one second. Excellent. So, (laughs) yeah. So, he was charged with first-degree murder and possession of a deadly weapon during the commission of a felony. He was held without bail, but police didn't know why he killed her. He said they had no indication that Michael and Jane knew each other outside of this moment. Then they went on to say that, quote, an inspection of the area of Blackbird State Forest, where Pritchard had been conducting botany research, revealed no signs of a struggle, end quote. So, well, what do they mean they don't know what the motive could have been? Because didn't they say, like... It, she it was likely it. sexually assaulted, but, like... Yes, but, like, sex. why did he even select her while he's out here killing squirrels? Like, Because she a girl. And she was pretty, but, like, it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. But Michael was described as a man... I'm just ready to suspect and convict all <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're very... I'm not judging, but... <laughs> but put him behind bars! <laughs> Michael was described as a man who kept to himself. The people at his apartment said he was friendly with the other tenants and that he always paid his rent on time. When he was arrested, police searched his apartment and collected various items, including a shotgun and hunting equipment. That's no surprise. Yeah, he's a hunter. But Michael spent the next 10 months in jail awaiting trial. Remember, he was held without bail. This sounds very legal. Yeah. And, like, well, I mean, so many people who can't, like, afford bail are trapped there all the time. But, like, they didn't even give him one. And, like, 
They have no motive, but they said they found their story was inconsistent, and they found evidence that linked him. But he's just a weirdo that wants to be on TV or talk to the cops. But before they even went to trial, the case against him unraveled, and he was released. DNA in 1986 wasn't what it is today, but apparently hair evidence at the scene ended up excluding him as the culprit. So he was released in August of 87. Investigators conducted more than 300 interviews and had no, still have, no other leads. Well, if they were doing this to Michael, I feel like maybe other people didn't want to offer up information. Yeah, yeah like, oh, I don't want to spend 10 months in jail without bail. Yeah, after he tried to help y'all, you just assumed he was responsible, so. Meanwhile, two minutes ago, I was like, lock him up! And now you're like, maybe don't help, because the guy, <laughs> yeah, very that was a very quick shift. Yeah. <laughs> so... Let's talk about theories. A Reddit post suggested it was someone who worked in the park system. Since Jane was about two hours from home, it isn't likely that she was killed by somebody she knew from anywhere other than the park. It's been said that Jane traveled to the park regularly over a two to three year period for her research. So someone else who was also in the park regularly may have seen her and made a note of her habits and locations within the forest. So scary out there. Yeah. An article about her case described her behavior as, quote-unquote, methodical. So you got to be if you're, making, you're observing the same plants. Yeah. yeah, and she's doing minute-by-minute observation. So, like, she probably parked in the same spot, set her equipment up in the same spot. Yeah. Walk, like, so that they, like... control of the experiment. Yeah. That's terrible. So it's definitely possible... For somebody to have been observing her over time. Yeah. And it could have just been a person that also frequented the park. Yeah, it didn't have to yeah. be some, yeah, but, but somebody I, who, I was, that who was there often. But since it was only the first weekend of squirrel season, if we're going with the theory that it's somebody who was in the park often, who had been watching and had an infatuation with Jane, it isn't likely that they're a squirrel hunter. Because it just started. Yeah. So it's probably, I think it's somebody who's probably there often, but a lot of people think it could have just been a crime of opportunity. Like, young girl alone, sex-crazed maniac. Agreed. Two plus two. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I suspected Michael. Yeah, could have, could have been. But there were lots of other people in the park that day, because after all, a couple who was just camping found her. But even though they said between 25 and 50 hunters were there, it's a big area. It's like 5,400 acres. So they were not on top of each other by any means. Like, they said her experiment stopped just before 10 a.m., but nobody found her till 5.30. So it was, it it was, there's a lot of people there, but they weren't on, like, I don't know, they weren't congregating. They were social distancing. Yeah, before before they had to. Look at these innovators. First with squirrel hunting. Yeah, social distancing. According to Jasmine, they invented squirrel hunting in Delaware. But I don't know. I'm trying to give them some credit. Because we don't know anything else about Delaware. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Delawareans. What are you if you're Yeah, I would, I would, I would gamble Yeah, Delaware. That's what you're on now. So, <laughs> forensics in 1986 is nothing like what it is now. At the time of Jane's murder, DNA was still pretty new, and her cases was one of the first cases to ever use it. Like, ever. Mm-hmm. And there was pretty much one, if not only one lab in the whole country doing DNA forensics for law enforcement. And that lab was in California. So they like flew this single solitary hair with a detective 
from Delaware to California before Michael Lloyd's trial to find out, and then it ended up not being Michael Lloyd's. I'm glad they excluded him. I know so many cases from, like... They didn't even try. No, they were just like, this hair is a... Oh, I'm just going to say it. This hair is a Negroid hair. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's like, good enough. Yeah. Or they're like, this, yeah. They don't even have, like, the like the, the root of yeah, the yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah. just went with it. Oh. just like, yeah, it seems... It looks like yours. Yep, it's yours. So... Molecularly similar or something, and you're like, dang. In, yeah. Behind bars for life. In 2014, the state of Delaware launched a cold case unit, and they had 40 cases to work on. According to their website, quote, the cold case homicide squad continues investigations through reviewing evidence, re-interviewing witnesses, and conducting new interviews, end quote. Investigators are hopeful that advances in science and DNA technology available today that weren't in 1986 will help them solve Jane's murder. Her murder was actually the first one that the squad selected to take on because they wanted to start with the older ones first. But sadly, today, there is no new evidence or any new leads, and Jane's case remains unsolved nearly 34 years later. Wow, that's so upsetting. The squad closed their first case in 2015, though, when they arrested a woman in Georgia for a 1985 Delaware murder of a 54-year-old piano teacher who was beaten to death inside his home. That seems very... 30 years later. Yeah. And they got her with Facebook. It was, like, super cool. They had been looking for her. Her name was Sandra something. And they couldn't find her. And then she checked in somewhere on Facebook. And then they went to Georgia and got her. See, this is why I don't check in places. Yeah, I check in places, but I don't kill people, so I'm good. So you... (laughs) Good point. I don't have to go all the way. Yeah. Don't check in. (laughs) Just don't. Also, if if you're going to kill people, don't check in. Agreed. But don't kill people. So by 2017, they solved two more, the 2012 murder of Jeremiah McDonald and a 2010 shooting death of a woman named Holly Wilson. So they're like, they're getting knocking them out. That's really Yeah, it's promising. So I know good things about Delaware. Yeah. Like some of the other states we've talked about, Delaware's Department of Corrections began selling cold case playing cards in their commissaries <gasps> to inmates. As of 2019, 18 states had introduced the cold case playing cards into their correctional facilities. The idea is that they will see a case that they have information on and then provide it to law enforcement because they're, like, inspired to stop spending their time behind bars playing cards and, like, get back out in the world. So they're like, you know what? I know something about this. Let me tell you. That's Uh, such a good idea. Yeah. And now they don't sell any other decks of cards. It's just the cold case one. So, like, anything they used to sell in the commissary, the only cards you can buy now have these people on it. And they are, there's 52 unsolved homicides, unidentified remains, or missing person cases. So, I reached out to the two investigators working Delaware's cold case unit for information about the cards. Some other states, like Connecticut, the list of which cases are on the decks is just available online, but Delaware's wasn't. So, I emailed them, and Detective Shahan sent me the photos of the cards for Delaware for Newcastle County, Wilmington Police Department, and Delaware State Police. Wow, so these cards helped officials in Connecticut solve 20 homicides. The Wow. That's such a good like, that's a, yeah. yeah. So they're like, let's have similar results here. Um, the man featured in Delaware's deck on the three of clubs, Jakeith Latham, his case has actually already been solved. So he died from multiple gunshots in December of 2016. And then in December of 2018, police arrested a 22-year-old guy named Seth. Kinderman, kind, probably Kinderman, not very kind to shoot people, but mm-hmm. Seth Kinderman and charge him in the murder. In a study of the FBI's Uniform Crime Report, it showed that during the period of time from 1980 to 2008, so 28 years, 
Nearly 185,000 homicides went unsolved in the United States, which averages out to be like 6,000 unsolved murders a year. Wow. And... You think that, like, because you watch so much Forensic Files and stuff, you're like, well, I, because I, I watch so much Forensic yeah. Files, also you're same. like, they all get solved. Yeah. You can't fight science. Yeah. And apparently, yeah. people out here dodging science every all the day. time. Like, how are they Her so day. smart that they're not leaving? Like, I'm always like, I DNA. could never kill people. My hair is everywhere. Yeah. These people are just getting away with it. Little like, curly little things are everywhere. Yeah. Nationally, only one in five cold cases get cleared. And then of that 20%, only five of those result in someone being arrested, and only one out of 100 result in a conviction. That's So, like, once it goes cold, I guess it really is true. You have, a like, hardly any chance after the first 48 hours. Yeah. Because that shows my jam. So, Jane Pritchard's murder is not in Delaware's deck of cards, but Jimmy Leaker's is, and so are Janiel Jones and Samantha Newine, and our Jane Doe story. We don't have, like, even close the amount of information on those other cases that we have about Jane. So they're going to be, like, much shorter factoids. But, so we don't know a lot, but somebody does know something. And I'll tell you what we do now. First, we'll talk about Jimmy. James O'Leaguer III, or Jimmy, is the Six of Diamonds in Delaware's deck. He was 63 years old at the time of his death, but... First, he was discovered alive. It was April 27, 2016, and he was found badly injured inside of his vehicle on Blackbird Greenspring Road near a farm outside of Smyrna, Delaware. He had been attacked and had injuries related to blunt force trauma. Three weeks later, on May 16, 2016, he died from those injuries. Police have never disclosed the weapon they believe had been used or what his specific injuries were, Instead, all they've ever said is that, quote, he suffered severe blunt force trauma to his head, which resulted in his death approximately three weeks after the injuries were reported to us. But I saw an article a year after his death that said he also had serious injuries to his torso. Like, I don't know what they could have used. And, like, he wasn't dead when they found him. He died weeks later. In his car. This sounds like like this is close to the place that Jane died. Yes. Weird, right? Very weird. Jimmy's whereabouts are accounted for up until about 8.30 on the night of April 26th. The next thing investigators know is that he was hurt inside of his truck. But they don't know what happened after 8.30 that night all the way up until he was found. They don't know why he was at that farm. They don't know how he got there, who he was with, or anything. All they know is that he sometimes worked on that farm. Like He occasionally worked there. But they don't know why he went there. Like, everything surrounding his attack is a mystery. He, like, had dinner with his family. The next day, he's dying. And then just blunt force trauma to his head and his torso. torso. Yeah. But, like, blunt force trauma could be anything. It could be bad. It could be a... Yeah. Yeah. But who would be so angry at him? And, like, why... They were in his truck. Yeah. Like, so it's somebody he knows, I, I would think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But as far as theories go, there really aren't a lot. One article said, quote, Police do not believe the attack that killed Leaguer was a random event or that it was linked to any other crime such as a robbery, but offer a few details on what the year-long investigation has turned up for fear of jeopardizing the case, end quote. So that's like, that's all we know about Jimmy's murder. I feel like it's really hard to be a police officer 
on a case where you don't have a lot because then you have to be really stingy with what you can yeah. share and then that makes it harder for you to solve the but case. But it's also weird for me when you like appeal to the public for help and then you don't tell them yeah. anything. Just solve it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't tell you anything else. So it's like, oh, how, how, like how much help do you really need then? Like, I don't know. So the next murder is of a 32-year-old woman named Janiel Jones. Janiel is the jack of spades in Delaware's deck. Her body was found by a passerby around 7.30 in the morning. She had been involved in a fight and died from multiple stab wounds. What? And, like, I don't know how they... They never told us how they concluded she died in a fight. That's what I mean. They're just like, like... They know who did it. But they got... I don't know. So... And then, like, less than a month after Janiel was stabbed and murdered, another woman in Wilmington, Delaware, named Samantha Newine, was also stabbed. So... Local police requested help from the FBI for these cases because they said female stabbing victims are rare occurrences. But the Wilmington police chief at the time said, quote, no evidence links the cases, but the request was made to the FBI last month because it's, it will give police an extra set of eyes, end quote. Yeah, well, if you need help, you need help. I, I, I respect the asking for help. Yeah, so... Female stab victims are rare. I mean, I, I got stabbed. Talked about a yeah, few. yeah, same me. I got yeah. stabbed, but apparently no. Maybe females do the stabbing. I feel like stabbing is so personal. I know. So I feel like for uh, this is maybe I, just stereotyping, but I feel like as a woman, I would rather stand further back and shoot you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So I I mentioned Samantha Newine. So she is the five of spades in Delaware's deck, and she was thirty four at the time of her death. She was found bludgeoned and stabbed on July 12th, 2013, inside of her apartment above her family's business, Rightway Appliances. Oh my gosh. She died after being in a coma for 16 days, but there are no suspects or arrests in either Samantha or Janiel's murders. Both of them were murdered in Wilmington. Both of them stabbed. Both of them unsolved. Both of them nobody knows anything. Did they come out with any information to try to get... Uh, I mean, I feel like... Okay, if you know she was in a fight, then you know that there was somebody else on the other end of that. So I don't yeah, understand like how do you just assume it's a fight? Yeah, I got in a fight with so-and-so, and then I walked away and somebody else stabbed me. Yeah, I don't... Not yeah. a thing. And then I feel like if your apartment is above a family business... They know like you. an entrance that is solitary? Prob- like, like, not solitary, Ooh. but like one entrance? Yeah, like do you have to go through the appliance store? Yeah, I, yeah. I just wonder. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know how Delaware sets themselves up. I don't either. To me, I feel like I don't know narrow who, down the suspect pool. Yeah, people have. who would have had access to it, yeah. Hmm. So, in a 2017 article from Delaware Today, they said that only 14% of homicides in Wilmington get solved. For wow. comparison purposes, the national average for homicides getting solved is 64%. Wilmington wow. was 14, yeah. And for further comparison, in 2018, 52% of Dallas homicides were solved. So they weren't solving anything in Wilmington compared to, like... Wow. Yeah. And the whole state of Delaware has a million, less than a million people. So they should so be like, solving. Yeah, and Wilmington's even... Less so it's not a million. Yeah. Wow, that's shocking. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness for these cards, but... Yeah. Sounds like maybe some stuff's going on in Wilmington. Yeah. But now they think they have, like, a... A six officer homicide unit there so they're they're working on it they're addressing okay, okay. it so okay and then our last case for today i just like conspiracies about cops I'm sorry. i do too I, yeah. <laughs> can so, we address yeah. one that's yeah. not really made today whenever I was, someone was like another cop like cop cover up about tom brown i was like look it's only episodes four five seven eight <laughs> twenty <laughs> i was just like 
Leave me alone. <laughs> Mind your business. So, our last case is the Newcastle Jane Doe. And we've never done a Jane Doe or a John Doe, but I would really like to. It's just hard to make them a full episode. But if you think you have a Jane Doe, John Doe case that would be suitable, that we could talk about for a half an hour-ish, send it to us. Um, our email address is hello at sidelinesluce.com. But Facebook Messenger is for sure the best way to contact us because I check that email uh, every seven to ten minutes days. <laughs> and that is generous. So... On average, 413 unidentified people die every year. This statistic comes from death certificates that were filed without names, birthdays, or social security numbers. In one of our episodes, we talked about this guy, and he was just like a regular dude, like he had a different job, and then he solved the tent girl Jane Doe case. Do you know the tent girl Jane? I, uh, yes, I do. Okay. And he like, and now that's like his like literal job, and I was like, I watched a show about him, but I couldn't remember what show it was. But I'm pretty sure it's the dead unknown. And I think it's on Amazon. But So if you remember this episode, I don't remember what it is. But if y'all do, that's the one I was talking about that one time when I was like, I want to be an investigative consultant like this guy who did 10 Girl. Yeah. So in 1977 in Newcastle, Delaware, a badly decomposed body of a woman was found in a drainage ditch. Some articles from that time period say the body was discovered by a passing motorist, but others say that someone happened upon her nude body on foot. But either way, she had been dead a considerable amount of time when she was found. What did you say? I said both would be horrible. Yeah. Either way would be a horrible way to stumble upon her. Pathologists from the state's medical examiner's office were able to determine, back when this happened, that the victim was a white female between 40 and 50 years old, that she was between 5 foot 3 inches tall, and five foot six inches tall, with a weight of around a hundred pounds, give or take five. She was little. A hundred pound, five foot six. I'm five foot six. If I weighed hundred pounds, I would look gross. I feel like you'd be really little. Yeah, I would be disgusting. Yeah, I would be, be hospitalized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I weighed one hundred and thirty-eight pounds, people were like, "Is right. Megan on drugs?" So a hundred, a hundred even would be. A hundred pounds is like a yeah. My bit sister weighs a hundred pounds, woman. and she's like a miniature human. So. She had naturally blonde hair or light brown hair, but it had gray streaks in it. At one time, it had been dyed dark brown and bleached, which, who knew you could find that out in 1977? Yeah, Impressive. So, a 1977 article from the Morning News said that investigators believe she had children, that she was missing 13 teeth, oh. Oh. and had cracked cartilage in her throat, quote, as if pressure had been applied there, end quote. Oh, my gosh. At the time of her death... Police believe that she was killed elsewhere and then dumped in that ditch. But today, police say they aren't actually sure where she died. Wow. They also aren't saying how she died because, quote, in hopes a criminal confession could be corroborated using this information. Womp, womp. Like all the other ones. Like, tell me something. I, I, I don't know what they do to weigh the, the, like, the advantages of giving up more information in the hopes of solving a crime, like, how do you, you know, like, oh, if I give this up, then I could solve it, but if I give this up, then yeah. I'm going to be able it's to probably, like, a really slippery, like, a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. Sante, you said she was missing 13 teeth. teeth. yeah. I wonder, like, from being, from... They said it looked like she had, like, a poor access to dental care. Oh, okay. So. You might remember in our episode about Faith Hedgepeth's murder that investigators had a rendering done of the suspect that was built with DNA, 
based reconstruction technology from this place called Paraben Nano Labs. Well, the police here did that too to figure out what Jane Doe would have looked like when she was alive. They have to figure out who she was before they can figure out who killed her. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a cool application of that technology. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was cool in the faith. Yeah, we find the suspect, but now they're like, let's find our victim. Yeah. So in 1998, so 21 years after she died, the state's medical examiner's office had a reconstruction done, and it's like a, it's like a bust, I guess, but it's really just like a head, and I don't know if it's clay or if it's wax, but it is one of the creepiest, most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. I don't think, I think they look weird. That's terrifying, but it was oddly and amazingly very close to the DNA rendering that they ended up wow. doing later. When they probably did without comparison. Like, yeah, don't yeah. Look at this, do yeah. It. With, from, cool. So, like, it looked really close. I'll show you, but it's freaking weird. It's so fascinating how they can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the bust was, like, I would... I have nightmares already because I'm a baby, but, like, that thing is... That will haunt me. It was creepy. This, <laughs> the snapshot created from... I'm sorry. The, I'm going to go look it up as soon as we're done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll show you this over. But the snapshot created from the DNA said that she had Northern European ancestry, that she most likely had fair or very fair skin, and blue or green eyes. And I will share these pictures and like the sketches, the waxy, scary head, and the DNA snapshot on our social media pages. So if you don't already follow us. You can find us on Facebook. We're Sidelines Loose podcast there and also on Instagram at just Sidelines Loose. So it's crazy to think that this woman's body was found 10 years before I was ever born and we still don't know who she is. Like I'm going to be 33 this summer and this summer it will be 43 years since they found her and they've got pretty much nothing. If you believe you have information that may help identify Newcastle County's Jane Doe, please contact detectives at either 302-395-2781 or 302-395-8216. If you have any information about the 1986 murder of Jane Pritchard, please contact the Cold Case Homicide Squad directly. Points of contact are Brian Shahan and Glenn Davis. Brian can be reached at 302-395-2781, and Glenn's number is the other one, 302-395-8216. Tips can also be submitted to Newcastle County's Police Department via their website at nccde.org or through Crime Stoppers at 1-800-TIP-3333. And they have a Facebook page, this cold case unit, and they like really want you to follow it. They're, like, super excited about being able to reach out to the public and stuff with that. So, if you have any information about the 2006 unsolved murder of Jimmy Leaguer, please contact Detective Dan Grassi at 302-365-8441. You can also call Delaware's Crime Stoppers, just like with Jane's murder. And you can use Delaware's Crime Stoppers if you have information about Janiel Jones or Samantha Newwine. The Crime Stoppers number is 1-800-TIP-3333. Or you can send an anonymous text to 274-637, which spells crimes, and you need to use the keyword DSP. In addition to Crime Stoppers, you can contact the Wilmington Police Department if you have information about Janiel Jones or Samantha Newine's murder, and their confidential tip line is 302-576-3990. That was a whole lot of information, so Crime Stoppers is all of them. That would just probably be, if you know anything about any cold case in Delaware... Call their crime stoppers. 800 tip 3333. 
Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any social media or streaming platforms available.